This is the message from Connection Community Church for the weekend of July 3rd through 4th, 2022. Real to Real National Treasure. Oh, good morning, Connection Church. Isn't this just a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom reign and all? Amen? Amen. So today we're starting a new series, Real to Real. We're going to look at some popular movies each Sunday and consider from a Christian standpoint. This morning our focus is on national treasure. I think Barry is posting the links to where you can watch the movies afterwards. And so stay tuned because on Friday we'll reveal our movie for next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, may these words be your words. May we be changed and transformed by them. Lord, settle us in wherever we are. Remove any distractions so that we can have laser focus on you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. National Treasure. It's a movie that came out back in 2004. in the film, he and some others are in the Arctic, seeking for a lost, searching for a lost ship. The ship, the Charlotte, holds uh, a clue in the search, and slowly, ever so slowly, they piece together clue by clue, along with others, ultimately finding what they are looking for. And so the key to this national treasure is written in, get ready, invisible ink on the back of the Declaration of Independence. We thought that was a good, this was a good movie since it's July 4th weekend, yeah. And when a rival treasure hunter tries to steal it, Ben beats him to it, and he saves this historical document by stealing it himself. When it's all said and done, the treasure is found Ben and his accomplices are rich, and the Declaration of Independence is once again in safe hands. Ben also picks up a love interest on the way. That has to be in all movies. So what's that got to do with us? <laughs> the Bible and spiritual things. Well, on the one hand, not much. <laughs> I mean, it's a good fictional movie, uh, takes a rather far-fetched idea, makes it seem fairly plausible, it's enjoyable, almost believable. 
But then on the other hand, on the other hand, Ben remains faithful to the challenge. Faithful to the challenge, even when it causes him to be the object of public humiliation, ridicule, and scorn. Whereas Ben's faith is rewarded with the peace of the national treasure, our faith is rewarded with the peace of the eternal treasure. His reward is in the here and now. Ours is in the here and now and the there and then. And it is faith and faith alone that keeps him going when others would have quit. Like his father who chased the dream for 20 years but then got tired of one clue leading to another, to another, to another, until he just had to let it go. But not Ben. He remained faithful even when it nearly cost him his life. And that's what we're called to do as well, to remain faithful. So the common factor in both is faith, remaining faithful. Ben remained faithful, and he was successful in his quest to find the national treasure. If you and I remain faithful, we will find eternal treasure, life eternal, sola fide, in faith alone. It is in faith alone that we are able to realize God's grace. That's God's unmerited love that we can't do anything for except accept it as a gift. Yes, that's all he wants for us, to accept that love as a gift. And that leads to incredible life here on earth and in heaven, faith alone. You know, it's not always easy being faithful, is it? It's not always easy. It's not always easy to stay true to your convictions. It's, it's not always easy. For Ben, that meant staying focused, staying faithful, even when the clues were not panning out, uh, even when everyone was saying that he was crazy, thinking the way he was thinking. And the same is true with followers of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in a culture where it's not easy to be a follower of Jesus, where it's not easy to be a believer, where it's not easy to be faithful. We live in a, if it feels good, do it culture, a culture that celebrates the individual over the community, a culture that sings at the top of its lungs, I did it my way. Yeah. Was that your audition for the praise team? I'm working it. That's really good. Record that for Barry, would you? Yeah. I'm working it. So we've been sharing this quote um, because it's, it's really good. Our culture, according to pastor and author Rick Warren, he's the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, he says this, our culture has accepted two great lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. <laughs> you know, Christianity by its very nature is countercultural. By its very nature. It goes against the grain. It's it's contrary to the majority. It doesn't agree, agree with what most people think. Christianity is not democratic. 
The majority do not rule when it comes to matters of faith. Jesus rules, and Jesus alone. It's not a popularity contest. It's believing, it's trusting, it's, it's having faith in who Jesus is and what he did. It's, it's what's right, not what's popular. And when we think about the ministry of Jesus, didn't he himself go countercultural to what was all around him? Didn't he um, dine with sinners and hang out with unbelievers to bring them to faith? And it cost him his very life. And actually, it's been like that since the very beginning. Going back, not all the way back, but let's go to Noah. Noah, you know, Noah and the ark. When all of humankind was corrupt and wicked, God was just devastated and upset and so upset and the culture was so wicked that he desired to wipe from the face of the earth all of humankind. I mean, and that's what he created. And it's like, you know, wow. And so... Noah was the only righteous and blameless person on earth that the Bible identifies him as that. He walked faithfully with God. God gave him some instructions. He found favor with the Lord. And so it was Noah and Noah alone that found favor in God's eyes. And you know what he did? He built the ark, which was laughable to people around him. But he was obedient and he was faithful. Genesis 6, 2. Noah, 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And then there was Abraham. God called Abraham to leave his country, his people, and his father's household and to go to a land that God would show him. And God promised him a great nation, a God would bless him, and God would make his name great, and he would be a blessing. Genesis 12, 3, New International Version. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed by you. Wow. So we talked about um, Noah and Abraham. Think about Abraham. He was 75 years old when God first made him that promise. Wow, 75 years old when God instructed him to leave his country, his people, his father's household, and he would go to the land that God promised him. We know that the land of milk and honey, Canaan. Yeah, it was 25 years. It was 25 years before... um, His son Isaac was born. He waited that long for his son. And when Isaac was born, what did God ask him to do? The unthinkable. Sacrifice his son. Now, Abraham followed those instructions as well. Abraham was obedient. And this is one of these Bible stories that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's like, it just, this is a hard read when we take a look at this particular scripture. But when we dig deeper, it's, it's God's demonstration of faithfulness 
and it's Abraham's demonstration of faithfulness and obedience, and it was to build Abraham's faith because God wasn't going to have Isaac lose his life. He provided a ram instead for the sacrifice, but Abraham needed to be built. He needed to be obedient. He needed that faith to escalate because he had a huge job ahead leading God's people. He was exceedingly faithful, faithful beyond measure. And then there was Moses, 40 years in the house of Pharaoh, 40 years tending sheep, his father's Jethro's sheep out in the desert. So Moses was like 80 when God called him from a burning bush that didn't burn up. Can you imagine that? 80 years old to get started on something. God told him he was going to use him, Moses, to, to free God's people and allow them to enter the promised land, and Moses protested. Didn't feel he was qualified for the task at hand. Does anybody here feel qualified for the task God calls you to? <laughs> None of us do, do we? Yeah. He doesn't call the equipped, though. He equips the called. Keep that in mind the next time you feel God calling you to something that you don't feel quite ready for. <laughs> equipped or not, Moses did lead God's people to freedom. And again, God was uh, countercultural, contrary to those around us, as Moses faithfully led God's people, sometimes the lone voice in the wilderness, leading God's people faithful to God and God's uh, call in his life. So over and over and over again in the scripture, in the Bible, we see people who demonstrate great faith. And that's such an encouragement to us to, to keep on keeping on, to align with God and not with some of the voices and things around us, but to stay in as close as we can to God's way. So we come to King David. He was another one who was obedient. He's known as a, a man you know, who had a heart for God. He wrote many of the Psalms that we read in the Bible, and he had the faith at a very early age it was David with just a sling and a stone that went up against Goliath. Our VBX kids learned about some of this this past week. You know, all the adults were scared. They were scared to death. They were intimidated. They were shrinking back. And here's this kid, David, who God had prepared all along. And David, you know, he would not let Goliath say anything about his God. He couldn't stand for it and went up against Goliath with just a sling and a stone. And we know what happened. And he came tumbling down. Absolutely. David stood strong and he showed courage. And then he went on to lead God's people again as king, the king of Israel. That had to be an incredible, that was such a huge responsibility. And in Psalm 25, David expresses the strength that he had in the Lord and the dependence that he had in the Lord. Can you say this with me? Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. 
Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And that leads us to Paul. We've been talking about Paul, formerly known as Saul, the last few weeks when we've been preaching about the birth of the church. Paul, the great champion of the Jews, holding accountable those followers of the way, those followers of Jesus, searching them out and sending them to prison. <laughs> that is until he was struck down, uh, and in his blindness, he could actually see the truth. Mm. And it was from here that Paul was faithful in the midst of trial and tribulation, sharing the good news of Jesus, crucified, claiming redemption for those who believe, believe that Christ and Christ alone is the way to salvation. Christ and Christ alone is the one who can forgive sin. Christ and Christ alone is the way to the Father, the way to eternal life, the way to heaven. And we read in the scriptures, and particularly in the book of Acts, which we looked at just a little bit of last month, we read how Paul was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked, <coughs> he was taken before the Jewish and Roman authorities over and over and over again, and he never wavered. He never wavered. He held to his convictions. He held to the truth of Jesus Christ. He was an absolute follower of his Lord and Savior, Jesus. You know, being faithful is not easy, is it? It's not, if we're honest. Especially when you're surrounded by people who are not faithful. Who, who are trusting in gods, small g, gods. And not in the big g, God. It's not easy. People who don't believe in the resurrected Christ, who don't believe that he died for your sins and mine, who don't believe that he is living son of the most high God. It's, it's not easy being faithful. And Christ never said it would be. He, in fact, he told his disciples just the opposite. He said, it's going to be tough when I'm gone, but I'll send my Holy Spirit to give you everything you need to carry you through. Remember in the book of John, uh, toward the end of John, he, he talked a lot about um, that, what their responsibility would be. And he knew that they would be scattered across the, the land. And he told them these words in John 16, 33. I have told you these things, like it's going to be hard, that so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you ha will have trouble, but take heart. Say, but take heart. Yeah, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus gives them peace. Just the same, they will have trouble in this world, but they are to what? Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. You know, this is true for you and me as well. In Christ, we find peace. That peace that doesn't make sense to those who don't know Christ. But it makes perfectly good sense to those who do. 
It's that peace that passes all understanding, we talk about so often. That being said, though, in this world, you will have trouble. We're, we're, we're told that. We're guaranteed that. you will, And that's because there's sin in the world. In this world, you will have trouble, no matter how careful, no matter how, how faithful, no matter how hopeful you are, in this world, you will have trouble. But, take heart. Those are three, the really important, part, that but is crucial there. It's absolutely crucial. Um, uh, perhaps the most important word in that whole sentence. But take heart, I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. We'll face trouble in the world, but when we're traveling with Jesus, when Jesus is Lord and Savior, when we know that Jesus is at our side, with, with, with us, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the outcome, when Jesus is by our side, we know that we're not alone, and we know that Jesus has overcome sin. He's in charge, and when Jesus is in charge, ain't nothing going to get you down. Say it with me. Ain't nothing. It's, well, it's okay to say ain't. I'm giving you permission here. I used to teach English. I'm giving you, an okay, I'm giving you, a, you know, a, a one-off here. Ain't nothing going to get me down. Here's some truth. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then say the last one with me. For we live by faith, not sight. You know, Benjamin Franklin Gates triumphs in National Treasure. He triumphs. He, he finds the treasure, he gets the girl, and he goes on to the next quest. But that's nothing compared to you and me when, when we find Jesus and the new life that he offers. That treasure is eternal. eternal. And it doesn't get any better than that. Amen? That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, um, national treasure can't even start to compare with the treasure that you give us in Christ Jesus. Please help us to be faithful. Give us that strength. Give us that courage to be faithful in the midst of uh, challenges to that faith. Please, please help us to, to be faithful when, when everything around us is pulling us in the other direction. Please help us to be faithful in a culture that is anything but. Please help us to be faithful when we feel like we're in it all alone because we know we're not. We know that you're there. Most of all, God, please give us strength and courage. Walk by faith, not by sight. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All those gathered said, Amen.
And so we'll transition into a precious time in the life of our church, which is Holy Communion. Those of you who may be here for the first time, we invite you to participate in this as well because it is a time when we, we celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And so we remember the night that Jesus was with his disciples and told them the story, um, went through the scriptures, and then he said, I'm not going to be with you much longer, but I am going to leave you with something so that you can remember me and feel my presence forever. And it's the bread representing his body, and it's the cup of juice representing his blood shared and given for us. As we reflect on the depth of Jesus' love, what he did so that we could experience freedom and forgiveness, I'm so humbled by what he's done for us. But it causes us to reflect on, mm, God, what are the things in my life where I might need to shore up, that I might need to take a look at? Where am I maybe not aligned with you as I should be? Or where am I disobedient? Where, where am I as far as my sin nature goes? So let's just take a moment and lift that up to God in our own personal prayer. He hears your thoughts. He knows your heart. And so let's go ahead and confess that as our servers come forward. Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, thank you so much for hearing us. We don't get how you can hear all of us at once and everybody on the planet, but that's who you are. Thank you for your forgiveness and for your, your grace, that unmerited love that went all the way to the cross for us. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.